Twenty-seven with two civil wars. A fool to think that this place could ever be yours. The in-between, that's where we must explore. Tell Hanoi I love her. Welcome back to episode six of Distorted Footprints, a critical refugee studies podcast. My name is Nancy. I'm Lisa. I'm Phoebe. And we're all second-generation Vietnamese-Americans who are interested in exploring how the refugee experience informs the political ideologies of first-generation Vietnamese-Americans and how this, in turn, influences intergenerational conflicts with the younger generation. In the last episode, we learned about the Southeast Asia Resource Action Center's work to uplift Cambodian, Lao, and Vietnamese-American refugee communities. In this episode, the three of us will engage in comprehensive storytelling of our personal backgrounds as second-generation Vietnamese Americans. As each of us individually shares our own experiences in addition to those of our families, we will collectively dissect similarities as well as differences amongst our shared identities. Specifically, our stories emerge from various intersections regarding the influence of our cultural and family history. Throughout this conversation, our episode will further explore how U.S. imperialism, communism, and violence have contributed to the development of political ideologies using the analysis of the critical refugee studies framework. Under this lens, we will articulate the emergence of generational conflicts within the realms of intergenerational trauma and knowledge production. To start, what kind of environment and communities did you all grow up in? Or more broadly, what was your family history like? So yeah, my parents came here in the 90s when they were already both in their mid-30s. So this means that they spent their first 20 years of life during the war and another 15 years or so living in its aftermath. They witnessed a lot of the violence and changes that had occurred in Vietnam during that second half of the 20th century. And growing up for myself, they would continuously emphasize the importance of being grateful to America and always tell my sister and I that America essentially saved our family from communism and the Viet Cong. As an extension of this, I grew up hearing my dad watch Fox News and more recently Vietnamese conservative news channels on YouTube. On the other hand, my older sister was radicalized pretty early on in high school, exploring Marxist theory and leftist politics through social media. This definitely fueled a lot of tension between my dad and older sister, and although I was definitely more influenced by my sister, this still prompted a lot of confusion in me when I was younger, as I would always hear different things from everyone and didn't know what kind of information to trust. Like Nancy, I also grew up second generation Vietnamese American, and I was very aware from an early age that my roots growing up in San Jose were a direct correlation to my family's experience from the Vietnam War. So both my grandparents served as high-ranking officers for South Vietnam, and so thus the deep ties that my family held from the war were always consistently stimulated by conversations that we had on history throughout my childhood, and those conversations still continue today. So my maternal grandfather and my paternal grandfather um, served as colonels in the South Vietnamese army. And so following the fall of Saigon, both my grandfathers, because they served for South Vietnam, were considered as enemies of the nation. And so consequentially, under communist rule, they were imprisoned. But a few years later, um, under American foreign policy, both my grandfathers and their immediate family, which included my parents, um, sought refuge in the United States and thus resettling in San Jose. And so specifically, because I was born and raised in San Jose, um, I lived in a very large city and it had the largest population of Vietnamese Americans outside of Vietnam. And also including like the Silicon Valley tech 
um, bubble in addition to the cultural communities, I definitely grew up in an environment that was balanced with both progressive and conservative ideologies. For me, my parents didn't really bring up politics in my childhood, but I think they unconsciously emphasized the importance of assimilation as they didn't really talk about their life in Vietnam. My dad actually left Vietnam in 1980 and was one of the famous boat people. He told me about how the U.S. Navy rescued him and how he was able to gain security and safety from the U.S., but I didn't learn about his journey at all until I got older. I think I started hearing more about my parents' political views when I was a teenager, especially during the 2016 and 2020 presidential election. Trump's conservative views really made my parents more vocal about how they agree with him and their reservations about China due to their trauma with communism. I think my dad's thankfulness for what America gave him translated into a pro-American stance, and Trump really emphasized that. For me, my sisters were more on the liberal side, which served as a point of contention for us and our parents. Between my parents, I think my dad is for sure more politically involved. My mom has less of an interest in politics and doesn't really care about voting, but she's still concerned with the idea of communism invading. Three of us have all shared our stories, so let's elaborate. What kind of conservative politics do your family members engage in, and how does this create tension between generations? For my grandma, who doesn't really speak a lot of English, she will actually get most of her news from Vietnamese channels or YouTube. However, these news outlets usually have a more conservative approach, and that affects my grandma's political ideology. Every time I would visit her, she would always tell me about all the bad things liberals do and how I should follow more conservative ideals. And obviously, I'm not that conservative, so I'm a lot more hesitant to tell her about my own political views. An example of this propaganda is this Vote for President Trump song that was released in 2020 right before the election. The lyrics say, Remember to vote for President Trump in November. Donald Trump deserves our votes. USA, USA. Make America great, great again, Donald Trump for this upcoming term. Wow, thanks for sharing that, Phoebe. That song was both saddening and hilarious at the same time. But yeah, similar to your grandma, my parents are both convinced that these Vietnamese YouTube channels are 100% trustworthy. There's a specific channel called The King Radio that is hosted by a man named Nguyen Vo, and despite the incredibly inaccurate information he likes to spread on this channel, it's extremely popular within the older Vietnamese community who rely on it for their daily news. In the clip you just heard, he's demanding his followers to take off their masks at a Trump rally, threatening to leave them behind on the bus if they choose to keep it on. Another popular Vietnamese YouTuber, Beth Day, continues this by saying that if anyone gets sick, she'll buy medicine for them. 
In addition to their beliefs about masks and the pandemic, these YouTubers also like to spread misogynistic and racist information that they consistently feed to the older generation. Whenever my sister and I hear these kinds of things blasting from my dad's phone, we would all get into really big arguments, which was really frustrating for my sister and I as it was hard for us to remain calm to try and explain to my dad why what he was listening to was dangerous. But he would always get angry at us and tell us that we were too young to understand what was right, which definitely deterred me from engaging in conversations with him regarding these matters. In a way similar but also different from the two of you, for me, I grew up with um, family members who had both um, conservative and progressive ideologies. And so during get-togethers, we it was always interesting to hear both sides. And I think that largely shaped my own formation and my political ideology as I was growing up. Um, but for me, after hearing their stances, I can largely see that there is a generational divide. And this can be articulated through language barriers. Um, and in turn, accessibility to sources of news of where they obtain that information. So for myself, um, many second generation Vietnamese Americans, we often adopt progressive stances, but we struggle to communicate these ideologies to our family members. Um, one, through the increasing loss of language in Vietnamese, and also two, the difficulty in translating um, between English and Vietnamese. So moreover, um, the majority of first-generation Vietnamese, um, specifically my family members, receive their news from Vietnamese-speaking TV channels and online videos like YouTube and Facebook, which do tend to champion conservative views. So one source that aims to really combat this is Viet Fact Check, and they um, translate a lot of these sources from Vietnamese to English and vice versa. And so one study that they did um, pertain to, quote, Facebook and YouTube's refusal to moderate misinformation in global languages, harming communities of color. And so from this source, um, there is evidence that Facebook and YouTube as companies, they their approach is more profits before people. Um, specifically for Facebook, they invest more in users that make more money, even though the danger may not be evenly distributed based on profitability. So it's really like outside sources like and these platforms that really contribute to misinformation that need to be combated. So why do you guys think these controversial beliefs exist within the first generation Vietnamese American community? And where do you all think they stem from? Yeah, so firstly, I think it's um, important to talk about why the generation divide um, exists and how that's kind of brought up by our family background. So for me, like both sides of my family were tied to South Vietnam, particularly my grandparents, um, both my grandfathers who served in the war. So um, both of them definitely influenced um, the rest of my family. And so for them, like almost every aspect of living life when Vietnam was um, communist was very brutal, um, especially the discrimination and the forms of punishment that they experienced from the North Vietnamese government definitely amplified their distaste for communism now that they're in the United States. Lisa, I think you actually brought up a really good point about how life in communist Vietnam affected your family's political ideology. My parents were in their 20s when they left Vietnam, so they did experience this kind of life under communist Vietnam, but, and they would also tell me about how bad communist Vietnam was and how it 
America should not be like that at all. Taking a look at critical refugee studies to understand the first generation's refugee experience informs a lot of their beliefs. Taking Yen Li Espiritu's definition to understand that refugees are a social actor whose life when traced illuminates the interconnections of colonization, war, and global social change. We need to take a look at how colonization and war created conditions that are hard for our elders to ignore. Of course, people can think beyond their material conditions, but at the end of the day, how we think is never totally detached from those conditions and the way we live our lives. Yeah, that's definitely a good point. I also think a mistake a lot of the younger generation, including myself, make when engaging in conversations with their elders is that we tend to dismiss a lot of their beliefs by saying that they don't know any better because they didn't get a proper education, or that they're too old and can't think for themselves, which is both really classist and ageist. So many of us fail to take a step back and consider the actual traumatic experiences they went through during and after the war. I'd like to take a look at the article, Forking Paths, How Shall We Mourn the Dead, as it helped me better conceptualize all the different sides to the Vietnam War. I was particularly interested in the perspective of the left, who was described as blatantly ignoring the atrocities inflicted by the North and have simplified those who oppose the North to be puppets of U.S. imperialism. I recognize this in a lot of leftist communities in the younger generation, as many dismiss Vietnamese American politics as reactionary and ignore the complex realities of war while simultaneously erasing Vietnamese stories post-war. While I do personally identify with communist and leftist politics, especially when it comes to community building and organizing, something I'm still working on is reimagining notions of diasporic radicalism beyond the limiting framework of the left and right and trying to remain critical of the U.S. empire's imperialist ventures during the war, while simultaneously recognizing the role of authoritarianism in Vietnam and its impact on the first generation. I often have to remind myself that my parents spent a good portion of their lives during and after a war where they witnessed the death of their friends and family, and to them, being in America was the first time they felt safe. This is always important to keep in mind as it gives the second generation some perspective on what has systematically happened to allow for their elders to subscribe to these sets of beliefs, but I want to emphasize that this doesn't justify any of the very racist, sexist, and dangerously inaccurate information that is constantly being spread within the older generation. Yeah, I've made the same mistake of dismissing my parents' beliefs during our conversations. This is especially prevalent in my conversations with my dad, as we have opposite personalities and tend to provoke each other with our words. I have a hard time trying to get my point across to him without the situation escalating to an argument. So it really ended with us having a lot of hurt feelings between each other. But it made me understand the importance of how my parents' traumatic experiences influence their beliefs. All right, so what do you guys think is the current political climate of the younger generation? And how have they been reacting to these inaccurate news sources? Yeah, so the disconnect can be seen as like very tense right now. Um, and I think that largely has to do part with our differing experiences. So one, growing up as second generation um, Vietnamese Americans in a democratic country versus that of our family members who witnessed war-torn Vietnam um, has contributed to very different political values. And so one source to demonstrate that 
is um, Viet Fat Check study on how young Vietnamese Americans are saying that their parents are falling prey to conspiracy videos. And under that scope, we can see that like conspiracy videos are in a way being blamed for misinformation. Um, but it's also really important to understand the experiences of our family members and how that has contributed them to form that ideology that they have currently. I think especially with coronavirus, there has been with a um, a rise of various progressive Vietnamese American news sites and social media pages. Most notably for progressives is Pivot, the progressive Vietnamese American organization, which aims to be a collective voice for progressive Vietnamese Americans and empower the community through civic engagement and leadership development. Viet Fact Check is actually a part of Pivot, and they analyze many of the false claims regarding COVID, the vaccine, and more that are spread throughout the older generation. Yeah, so in addition to Pivot, there has also been a rise of a lot of leftist and communist social media pages, one of them being the Gokyu Collective, which is an anti-imperialist organization that aims to link the Vietnamese diaspora to critically engage in Vietnam's history while combating misinformation. They've been pretty vocal about criticizing more liberal pages like Pivot by disapproving of them for subscribing to the idea of the American empire by encouraging voting and political representation and for also using terms like the fall of Saigon instead of Vietnamese reunification day. So all in all, for me, from exploring the differing political ideologies in the Vietnamese community across generations, my personal takeaway is not to direct my focus on altering the beliefs of my family members, but rather to pinpoint the root cause of this issue within the system and take an active standpoint in fighting against misinformation. So one source um, pertaining to combating information um, suggests that it's important to be wary of attempts to provoke other people's ideology, um, instead to consider and offer new sources and under that lens of sources have a varied informational diet so obtain information from different platforms and um, in media. Yeah, so a big takeaway for myself is being able to pull away from the trauma and modes of thinking that have seeped down to me from my parents. To me, it's crucial to recognize that I have my own agency to reimagine and rebuild my community, as well as re-envision my own role within that. We'll close this episode with the song we opened with, Tell Hanoi I Love Her by No No Boy. We were actually first introduced to this song from Professor Gandhi, and it deeply resonated with our discussions on intergenerational Vietnamese conflicts pertaining to communism and the American dream. Thanks for listening to episode 6. In the next episode of Distorted Footprints, we'll be exploring Vietnamese and Cambodian mental health. Fumble with numbers, I just want to sing Saturdays and cook with an American dream. Sometimes I think the most communist things. Tell Hanoi I love her. Tell Hanoi I love her. Tell Hanoi I love her.